listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 348. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss season two, episode nine of the YouTube science fiction series, Impulse. So uh, I ventured out today to the grocery store. It's been okay. 10, maybe 11 days. And, uh, dude, I wore a mask today, and I was a little surprised because the last time I went grocery shopping, there was literally only one person in the store wearing a mask. Today, virtually everybody was wearing one. Okay. Yeah, I went out to the grocery store today, too. I also uh, wore a mask. It was probably 50-50, maybe 60 masks, 40 not masks. Yeah. I was surprised to see... So many people not wearing masks, actually, you know. Yeah, and it's funny because, well, number one, I caught my reflection in the uh, glass at the deli counter. I'm like, oh, my God, you look like a Marvel superhero. I've got my my baseball hat on, my dark glasses, and my mask. (laughs) Like, I look like something out of, well, what's the uh, Watchmen or (laughs) I don't know. But anyway. Um, you know, about a year ago, I guess I was coughing all the time in the summer and my wife says, you need to buy a mask for when you cut the lawn. So anyway, long story well, that's short, what, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was Please. just going to say a long story short. Um, you know, I hear her talking to her mother today and, and, uh, yeah, you know, David has some some uh, masks that he bought for the lawn, and he's still got some he hasn't even used. And I'm like, yeah, for the one time I actually listened to you, you know, you were right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I had a so actually I've been doing a lot of uh, spackling and sanding uh, around the house and painting, and which I hate and I'm not really good at at all. And like, I just finished the the ceiling of a room, and I look at it, it just looks awful i just like i can't believe it but i think it's something that as as long as i don't look at it it'll be fun. <laughs> you know like technically the, i got the job done but anyway the upshot of the story is a couple of years ago i bought a couple of masks to wear when i sand and uh and one of them i hadn't opened yet and so i opened it today to go to the store and it was a uh, n95 yeah exactly same with mine i've got two i, I bought a pack of three and for cutting the lawn, I just keep using the same one over and over. So I got two brand new ones. So, you know, and I got a couple of those uh, other ones, those medical ones that I snagged the last time I was at the doctor's. But, uh, you yeah. know, I put in an order on Amazon and uh, they said it shipped and it must be coming from China because it said it shipped yesterday and it'll be here in May. <laughs> so, right. We'll see. Yeah, I was looking at Amazon. It just it looked they all they just looked all so dodgy, you know. Like, uh, I know. Well, I figured twelve bucks for fifty masks. Sure, we'll see. So I'll keep everybody posted if I actually get them, which <laughs> I think I probably will. But uh, yes, yeah, you know, strange times, and uh, I think we're going to be doing this for a while. And yeah, you know, so I guess we'll see. But. You know, the uh, the other thing I, w- I was going to mention, I don't know if you saw Michael's Facebook post today, uh, alerting the sci-fi fidelity community that uh, we've got about three episodes to go, and then uh, we will be heading off into the sunset with sci-fi fidelity. So we're going to hit episode 100, and then that's it. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, the thing with Den of Geek, it, it's all about hits. And while, you know, we do, we do really well for a genre podcast in, in terms uh-huh. of download numbers, but in the big picture for what they're paying us and, you know, getting advertising, it's, it's all about hits and I guess they weren't getting enough hits. Right. So, uh, they're going to look to having us do something different shorter version that then they've got some video guy that he'll put, you know, if we're talking about Westworld, there'll be all these images from Westworld and video clips uh, over top our talking. So I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, we have a lot of dual listeners. So, you know, hopefully we can bring some of those sci-fi fidelity listeners over to sci-fi TV rewatch if they're not already here. So, Right anyway, on. Spread the word. And speaking of spreading the word, want to thank all our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate you guys. And it's been a couple of weeks since we've said that. Trust us. We we appreciate it. And you know, we just can't say we love you enough. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> you know, if you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, you can go to the website, sci-fi TV rewatch dot podbean.com and there's a link over to the right or you can just go to patreon.com slash sci-fi tv rewatch all right well we actually have some news this week you want to uh, be the bearer of uh good tidings uh i think they're good tidings but sure like what what we're gonna do next i guess yeah yeah so yeah um so yeah we got to a point where we realized we've got like three episodes to go you know, just kind of shooting off ideas. And I just, as we're talking, I'm just kind of scrolling down Netflix. And I'm like, hey, how about this show, Ragnarok? I haven't watched it yet, but it looked pretty interesting. And uh, and you agreed, and boom, done deal. Yeah, it's a Norwegian fantasy series on Netflix. And it's not this phony Marvel Avengers fake ragnarok this is the real ragnarok people well i mean thor ragnarok is an awesome movie i know <laughs> so but but yeah it's not it's not that one yeah but the, uh, we, if, if we do have a week at the end of it maybe we'll actually watch thor ragnarok that'd be cool yeah so uh so we'll see it, it's interesting because n- neither of us have watched the first episode yet and i guess i'm gonna probably just hold off until we're done with impulse and then you know we'll both watch it fresh and you know we'll go from there we've got nine weeks before dark is slated to return they still haven't established a firm return date but uh, again because of the dark world uh, everybody's speculating that it's going to be June, I think, 26th or 27th. Now I can't remember which one it is, but, you know, because of the dark world and, and, and the, you know, the timeline, that's when everybody's speculating. And they were correct for season two. So figures that gives us about nine weeks. I think I said that there are six episodes for Ragnarok. Now I can't uh, you, remember. You told me six. Okay. Yeah, I haven't right. checked that. Confirm so, or deny that. So, okay, cool. Tip of the week, what we're watching, and I mentioned in the Facebook group, I finally got caught up and finished season five, which is the final season for The Magicians, and, and I quite like the ending. It you know, left it open if they ever wanted to return, which sure. they probably won't, but it was a satisfying ending. 
I finally got caught up with Westworld. And I know what you're going to say. Dude, I told you. You're right. You did tell me. And it is freaking awesome. In, in it fact, is. it is so awesome. I went back and I'm doing a rewatch. Oh, man, that's a good idea. Because I got to wait a week for the next episode. So, And it's so awesome going back right from the start. It's like, yeah. yeah I, I mean, Bernard having you know the, this voiceover with Dolores, it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially the, the most recent, um, episode, if I think if you go back, uh, because, you know, William is, is in it again, everything. So if you go back, then there's, and rewatch and now you're probably going to see things that, you know, it's totally blow your mind. But yeah, that, that show is just, it's just killing it right now. Um, I don't know how it's doing ratings wise, but man, it is just so like, you know, once they, they left the park, you just really were wondering, or I was wondering, you know, you know, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go with this? And, um, man, just, uh, being out in, in quote unquote, our world, uh, which is like, I guess fifth, like the 2050. So like 30 years from now or something like that. Yeah. I um, looked, I looked up what I think it's 20 You're You're right. It's in that ballpark, 2050, 2060. I forget. Yeah. So, uh, um, and the world building they're doing with that is just incredible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Marshawn Lynch was in the first episode. So really, too. yeah. You know, the guy who's the shirt kept telling his, what, what he was feeling. Yeah. That's Marshawn Lynch. God, I didn't even recognize him. I didn't either. I just read it later. I'm like, oh man, Beast Mode. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> All right. So, and Aaron Paul, love him in this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Aaron Paul is great. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about badass heroines. <laughs> Dolores, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, and Maeve too. Yeah, last night, yeah. yeah, but but Dolores, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, what do you got? So I, I can't. I didn't bring up Jojo Rabbit before, have I? I think you did, right? That's the the movie that takes place in World War II. Yeah, they're located, and Hitler is his uh, pretend friend. Uh, I can't remember if you did, but go ahead. I mean, because it's because okay. <laughs> you already started. When we use our World yeah, War II yeah, yeah. and Hitler. I, I just but, like but, it, sometimes when we do pick the week, I'm like uh, because I I mean I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago, and then. I just watched it with, we did a movie night where we watched it uh, like a couple of nights ago. And then I couldn't remember if I ever brought it up because there's, you know, I always had like three things, but, but it's a, a tight, oh man, I'm going to screw this name. Taika Watiti, who is ironically enough, the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok um, and whose movies, I went and watched all the rest of his movies and they are all, okay, I shouldn't say all, but most of them. Are really really good. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, especially, is a really good movie. You know, it's a a ten year old kid who's a part of the Hitler Youth, and Scarlett Johansson is his mom, and she's hiding a Jewish girl in their their attic, and of course this creates some conflict for him. But the the funniest part about this is Taiki Taika Waititi is he plays Hitler, who is the boy's imaginary friend. So, and oh my God, he's, I mean, first of all, he's just, he's a hilarious person. He must be like in real life. Obviously he's got to be like the funniest person to hang out with probably because everything he's in, he is just a riot. He is so funny. Um, and to think like an indigenous person playing 
Hitler, you know, these are just some things you think it's just got to be like these little extra screw used to Hitler for being on the, the wrong side of history here. Because uh, so probably he would have been more upset at seeing Gilbert Gottfried play him on the uh, uh, David Tell's celebrity roast. But uh, but anyway, um, really, really, really good movie. Uh, I can see why it was nominated for Best Picture. I haven't seen Parasite, so I can't say whether it should have won. But it was just really great, funny, uh, lots of good drama, great characters. Starts off with a Beatles song, ends with uh, um, a David Bowie song. So, yeah. All right. It's all good. Cool. All right. Uh, and the other thing I just want to bring up real quick, because you had mentioned before, so I'm not really to talk about it too much, but I just finished The New Pope, which you had watched, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did you watch The Young Pope before that? I did. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was that was a, a really good show, uh, too. I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. And um, there was sometimes, it's, as being a Catholic, I'm like, I don't know what I, I think about this show, but, you know, I think overall the, it had a pretty pretty strong message of, of, of faith there, the, you know, clothed in, uh, you know, a lot of nudity. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because I read a couple of re- reviews from Catholic publications and that was the general feeling, not so much about the nudity, which they did mention, but that there is this presence of God throughout that it's, I mean, yes, there are things that you might feel or some might feel are sort of blasphemous, maybe kind of, but not really, you know, yeah. and, and that they generally were pretty favorably reviewing the show. And 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 again, I mean, John Malkovich was great in season two. Jude well, Law. Oh, I thought he was great. He, well, no, he's, he's a great actor, yeah. but that accent he was trying to do. Oh, yeah. I was just like, why, why did they make him a British guy? Why didn't they just have him be another American because I'm like, I know he's supposed to be doing a British accent, but sometimes it sounds German. Sometimes it sounds Italian. Sometimes I don't know what he says. Yeah. Tis a lot. And he, or he says it is or something like that. And that's supposed to mean he's British. Right. And, um, you know, aristocratic British, uh, John Malkovich. I mean, obviously a great job as the character, but just, I wish he hadn't tried the accent because the accent at some times was distracting for me. Yeah, I can see that. But like as you said, great show. So, yeah. All right. Anything else? Um, just really quickly, Community is on Netflix now. Oh, cool. I saw. So if you uh, out there, if you haven't seen Community, uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't now. Go binge it now. You got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's easy for you to say. It's when people have their lists posted, I know I, I don't know if you've ever seen Fred's lists that he'll post in his Facebook page periodically of of shows he's binging, shows he watches, you know, an episode a week, and, and it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think he speaks for a lot of us when he he says that there's just so much good out there you just can't keep up. But anyway, yeah, that's true. So we got the penultimate episode of season two of impulse episode nine a moment of clarity written by vladimir svetko who wrote 204 the moroi and alex eldridge directed by mark tonderai who directed uh, vita morse and uh, (laughs) but he didn't write it though so he didn't write a good point but uh (laughs) anyway so so we got a number of themes that 
we want to talk about. Uh, what, do, what do you want to start with? Um, well, I forget my saying. You want to start uh, with the daddy issues? Yeah, let's talk about yeah the um, the, the kind of these themes of of uh, girls and their fathers or their father figures. Yeah, because you know I, I was thinking about that over the weekend. You know, after you proposed that, and uh, you know, I mean, certainly Henry's father is there looming in the background. Uh, is he the one that leaves the note for her? I, I mean, that's what so. she thinks, right? Um. And, you know, but he doesn't post, right? Well, right. Although we see him in that scene and I'm still, I guess, not a hundred percent certain about the timeline regarding him. And it also leads me to another question. And maybe we did get clarity on this, but do we know for sure that Simon is a teleporter? I mean, we know Nikolai teleports him away. Because we see that, that's when he disappears from the family. We see him meeting, and I apologize for calling her the expanse lady, but <laughs> you know, we see that meeting in the hotel room, and, and of course we see her teleport away, but do we know for sure he's a teleporter? I mean, all the signs seem to be there. Right, that's, that's a good question. I I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure we've ever seen him actually uh, teleport. And in terms of the videotapes, I mean, we pretty much only know about Dominic, Dominic, right, and Nikolai uh, as a young man. So I started thinking about that. Now, in terms of the daddy issues, I mean, certainly, you know, Henry's all about finding her father, and and we understand that regarding her i mean i guess that's sort of on hold like you said he doesn't show up but what about jenna and thomas that i'm not sure what the deal is with that and where that's even gonna head you know like jenna you know basically is it seems like she's just kind of cutting herself off from everyone like right she she doesn't want henry in her life uh, when we see her with Thomas, she's just like, "Oh, I'm staying with my friends, you know, tonight and everything." You know, I, I mean, we get it, right? I mean, well, she was forced to come out like way before she was ready to, and and that was definitely not cool on Henry's part. But she was, you know, didn't even have really a chance to to process what she's going through in the first place, to even be able to talk to anyone about. It. And Henry throws it out there like that, so. I mean, she's just going through a, a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess to, and I don't want to mean to defend Henry because I do believe Jenna's correct when she says Henry's abusive and toxic and Henry's apology really rings hollow. That said, yes, it wasn't Henry's you know, place to come out for Jenna. On the other hand, it's not as if her father's not supportive. Uh, I mean, he doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all. Right. Uh, well, except for everything he said and did leading up to that, which, you know, you know, shows he had this whole life planned out for Jenna as a heterosexual woman. But why wouldn't he? Oh, all right. I know. You know, I mean, just from a statistical standpoint, why wouldn't he take that approach? Well, because he doesn't know. And he, wow. you know, obviously, and, you know, just as a parent, I don't know, I never assume 
<laughs> anything. And, you know, like my oldest son, you know, like he, yeah, you know, when he was in high school, he didn't really date much. And I, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, is it because you're nine the girls? Because that's okay. And he just looked at me like I was stupid and, and laughed at me. But, uh, you know, it's nowadays that's, that's the thing. You can't, you know, assume anything with, with kids, I guess. But I don't know. That's not Thomas's worst part. The worst part is he is a freaking moron, I think, actually. On many levels, but what are you thinking about? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about how he's, first of all, he's punching way above his weight class with Cleo, and he's going to kick her out? Like, dude. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and I agree with you, and, and I guess I look at that situation when for the first time in a long time in her life, Cleo is ready to take a step back. Let's talk about it. Can we work something out? Now, I forget which one of them says it. I believe it's Cleo that they've built so much together. It would be a shame to let it go. And I guess I'm thinking, well, they haven't been together that long. I mean, how much have they really built? I mean, what are we talking? Four months, maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. We, yeah, because we really don't know the timeline here. And, and I mean, then they have already had been together a while before the show starts right yeah yeah but i don't think a whole, i don't think all that long no that doesn't seem like it, it certainly i would think maybe a year at best but if, uh, if that long right but in in terms of that theme of dissolution of the family their family unit and it you know it was moving in the right direction i mean we started to really feel good about cleo that she really did care for thomas and you know maybe he didn't love i mean maybe she didn't love him in the same way that he loved her but you know we could we could see they were both very fond of each other and and again you know could they fall in love with each other yeah i think we certainly could see that Jenna and Henry, I guess we could argue that they're brought together by circumstance. And I don't mean that their parents living together. I mean, Henry's teleportation, because outside of that, I think Jenna would have just stayed in her clique at school and, and Henry would have, you know, been the loner stoner that, you know, we've seen. And, but because of this, the, you know, the three of them uh, towns in, included, they, they come together and, you know, while, you know, the Thomas's family with Cleo and the girls is, is kind of falling apart. We've seen Team Henry falling apart. And, and it was kind of interesting that Towns in this episode, it's almost like he never left, you know? Yeah, it's just Thomas and his role. And, you know, we're talking about like fathers and father figures, you know, and his role as Kind of, you know, like it's like a, a a para head of the family because this it is a family and it, it isn't, right? As you said, there's two separate, like, you know, sides here that have uh, come together a la, you know, Brady Bunch at a smaller scale. But, you know, like, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I, I was kind of, I was half joking when I said he's an idiot because he's you know kicking cleo out when obviously she is you know kind of out of his class you know um on the other hand you know he's not 
he's not really fighting to like try and give this like 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 you said. I mean, Cleo wants to work it out. She's not running, and she tells him like, "This is the first time I haven't just ran. I want to work this out." He's just like, "Nah," you know. And I'm just like, mm, you know, I, I feel like. He, there's any, not just because Cleo is attractive, but because they, you know, here's a woman he was about to ask him to marry her. And now all of a sudden he goes, because of one dinner, well, no, I don't want to marry her. In fact, the opposite, I don't want to ever see her again. And it's just like, you know, I feel like in any relationship, probably you're going to look back and say, you know, maybe we can at least try to talk it out rather, rather than instead of just being intransigent, just like, uh, no, I'm not going to talk. I think we need to break up. I think you need to leave. It's like, ah, I, don't know I mean, because that. it seems to come down to the fact that he didn't like Cleo disciplining his daughter. And. On the one hand, I understand that they're not married yet. And and this is one of those boundaries that clearly the four of them have not discussed before. It's perfectly okay for Thomas to offer Henry a ride to school or a ride to work or pick her up. And it's clearly okay for Cleo to mend Jenna's dress. And in fact, as we see in this episode, it looks like she took it to a professional to have fixed. Right. But discipline maybe not ready to go there yet yeah but correct me if I'm wrong didn't he take away Henry's car back in season one well he did but we certainly got the idea that Cleo sanctioned it I think that took place off screen and and I remember at the time thinking the same thing and I guess I just came to the conclusion that the two of them must have discussed it before that but Still, like you said, he's the one that was pushing marriage, and yet he's not willing to give her a chance. She didn't cheat on him. Yeah. I mean, this just seems to have blown up into this monumental fight about, I don't want to say nothing, because it is something, but it's not as big as he's making it out to be, if he really loves her and wants her to be his wife. but Yeah. And again, allowances for hotness, you know, like, sorry, but she's really good looking. That gives her probably a little bit more leeway in, in when disputes arise. Right. Now we've talked about Henry's changing attitude. And I think Fred, Fred brought it up last week in his feedback. And, you know, we, we see some changes with Henry continue in this episode. Although, like I said earlier, I, I didn't really feel like her apology to jenna was all that heartfelt but when she comes home and finds her mom on the porch packed boxes and instead of chastising her mom she comforts her because henry's correct this time this is not cleo's fault right and it feels as if henry finally recognizes her mom's unconditional love and what do you know maybe is even returning it so that mom knows i mean not that she ever didn't love her mom but i mean i know i don't have kids but i certainly can you know imagine this and and, you know teenagers are probably somewhat reluctant to say the words to their parents often enough that 
True, true enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and that is really a, a great scene to show how far Henry has come uh, because you really get a feeling that Henry from you know early episodes of season one would still totally pin this one on Cleo, right? Because um, she was always blaming other people for everything. And now, just recently, uh, she's able to respond to her mom in a very mature manner, which is saying, Mom, you know, this isn't your fault, right? And you, like you said, she comforts her rather than blames her. So, and that was like just really a, a good kind of snapshot of how much Henry has changed and grown. Yeah. Now, two two interesting things that kind of finish up, you know, that that little segment of the episode when Henry and Cleo leave Thomas's house. And, and maybe this doesn't mean as much as I think it does. Henry's carrying her father's box of stuff. Obviously, there are plenty of other things they could have shown us of her carrying out of the house. But we see that. And then once she and her mom move into their new digs, $2,500 insurance check from ken davidson and i'm thinking like okay now i I don't know if he his people hacked that insurance company's system if that's just like a you know a cover (laughs) group or whatever but i'm thinking well you could have given her a little more i mean yeah i mean you know it's nice but yeah they're looking at like it's like i because yeah i i stopped it to look at how much money it was i'm like 2500 bucks like how long is that gonna last well the other thing i was thinking well why are they paying henry i thought it was insurance for his truck so why wouldn't the money no, go to clay I, they no no they were they were paying cleo i think because of because she got shot be, so like i don't know I, I i had the impression that uh it was going to cleo because of whatever because she says bill boone's insurance right so okay i guess maybe you know, i don't know you know i actually don't know i i because i didn't i just looked to see how much for the check i didn't see who right. was made out to maybe it was um, liability for her working at the dealership and yeah since she got shot at the dealership shot at on the job and stuff although like i'm that. pretty sure cleo is just not going to question you give me a check for 2500 great thanks yeah good <laughs> all right but uh now you know, the other daddy issues and, and family that's breaking up is of course nikolai and elaine and and as complex as henry and cleo their situation is uh, i think this one's much more i mean we get that opening scene where elaine's had nikolai brought back to the family home after you know being knocked out last week What's up with her torturing him? Yeah. I mean. And then all of a sudden deciding, I don't want to torture you anymore. Well, I mean, clearly they disagree about each other's motives and actions. And obviously she's got a certain amount of resentment built up over the way her father apparently favored Nikolai from the time he came into their life when I guess he was age 19 or 20 when he, when he showed up at at the family home in, in Canada. But it's, you know, this whole thing where he feels as if he is protecting her from herself. She sees him as having abandoned her as a brother. Are they both right? Are they both wrong? Is the, truth somewhere in the middle or yeah i mean well a i think nikolai waited 
maybe a bit too long to liberate Elaine. You know, like it feels like if if he wanted to save her from all this, you know, he should have done that a long time ago. Not, but then it brings us back to the piano recital, right? Yeah, because really she's the one who said, "I want in," right? When Nikolai even said, "No, go back, play. This is what you want is to." You know, this is what you've wanted. And she's like, no. You know, so she rejects that life. He tried to convince her to go with staying with her music, but she's the one who decided to reject that and to follow in, in the family business. So, it, you know, I guess it's not 100% fair, except that, as, as you said, she's kind of dealing with this um, frustration about – of of Nikolai being the the surrogate son after Wesley was killed and her being rejected her whole life because her mother died giving birth to her. Right. Well, I mean, is she jealous because Nikolai was, in her words, given a gift? Because back at the piano recital scene, we know that she knows Nikolai works with her father and that he's going to mexico city to track down we know a teleporter we assume she knows a teleporter my question is does she know that nikolai is a teleporter at that point in their relationship i don't think we know you know so i guess what i'm getting at is at what point did she realize that this connection that her father has with nikolai transcends just having a male child replace the one that he lost. Right. Good, good point. I mean, I don't know if we get an answer. I I don't think we really do, but the other thing though, that comes out of the scene is we finally get an answer, a moment of clarity about the factor. And I don't know about you, but I guess I feel a lot better knowing you know, how factor really factors into the equation in that. Oh, well done. In that you need factor if you're going to teleport. If you don't teleport, you don't need it. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, Fred asked the same question. I think he's actually asked it twice uh, last week and this week, both of it's just, you know, as to why he needs the factor. And, you know, it just appears that teleporting has you know physiological negative physiological impacts on on the human body so that after doing it i guess too much you know it's it started to take its toll well not started it's been taking its toll so that now whenever he jumps he has to you know inject himself or he'll suffer extreme adverse effects from the jumping yeah. Now, I mean, on the one hand, I guess when somebody's got a gift like that, it's almost like telling Lamar Jackson, "Dude, you can play quarterback. You just can't run. Yeah. Right. Just, just kind of stand there." It's like, yeah. wait a minute. You know, <laughs> I, I can't pass, which is my strength. I can't run, which is my strength. So, on yeah. the one hand, I guess it's a lot to ask. On the other hand, if it comes down to certain death, which is, I, I think, what's being implied here is that if he if he teleports and doesn't have factor and certainly we've seen something similar in dark with with adam 
and you know time travel i'm not even sure we ever got clarity there i think we always just presumed that's what happened to his his face and and i feel like i can't he remember if we said did. at some point he okay have. okay but as far as we know there's no uh, factor to mitigate um you know the physical effects of time travel but right. uh, um but the other thing in this conversation, Elaine tells uh, Nikolai uh, to tell Henry something. We don't know what, and says she deserves to know. And I'm thinking, know what? I guess about the f- physical impact of teleporting without the factor. Uh, outside of that, I and that makes a lot of sense that that's what. Well- she deserves I, I think to know. she was she was torturing him, yeah. You know, because she said, "You made me suffer, and you deserve to know what that feels like." So I, I took it that the 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 torture she was putting him through was her way of exacting revenge for what she feels like because he killed her father. Okay, okay, and 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 I understand that, and like Thomas kicking Cleo out. I mean, yes he technically killed their father. He wasn't going to recover. I mean, there was no indication he was going to recover. Right. And while that may seem really cold and impersonal on my part to say that the fact that the father was so domineering, particularly with her, the idea that if he's out of the picture, you can be yourself, you can do whatever you want. I mean, that's a legitimate thing to to feel now you might say well sure. yeah but it doesn't give you carte blanche to pull his plug and and okay i get that but again it, it's you might not agree with his method but do you not see that he really did feel he was doing it for you on the right. other hand is he also doing it and i know the answer is yes to put an end to the experiment thereby protecting henry correct yes so you know, it's pretty complicated, but, uh, you know, the other thing in, in terms of the family uh, we didn't mention yet is we get that one scene where Simon calls the expanse lady, tells her he's going after his family to protect them, tells her he left something buried at the campground if things go wrong. But again, I, I'm still not sure of the timestamp on this because in terms of aging, I mean, I guess he's age appropriate for what he would be because it's, I guess it's only been 10, 10 years, 10 years or so mm-hmm. since he's been gone. So, so I guess that could still be uh, age appropriate, but I, I, I still don't know. And, 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 you know, we don't get clarity on that, but you know, again, at least we get to see Simon and, but we don't know whether he's alive and, and we see these random notes so is it somebody else leaving them? Is it? Yeah, right. Because we, we haven't really gotten anything. You know, obviously they're highly suggestive that what we see with Simon's taking place at the same time uh, that Henry is looking for him, especially when she goes to the cabin. You know, it looks like he had basically was, was still living there, which is then why didn't she just keep going back to the cabin then to try and find them. I don't know. But, but yeah, you're right. We, we really don't know. And it could be, 
know, they could be doing a Westworld on us here. Oh, that would be cool. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to know, but yeah. <laughs> um, now, you know, the, the other thematic idea, I love the way you worded it. Consequences of obsession while trying to do the right thing. And we see a few scenes with Anna and I can't wrap my head around whether or not I really believe she's trying to do the right thing. Is she just out of it? I mean, you, you, I mean, what is the right thing in this situation? Yeah. And exactly. I think where I thought they were going with it for a second, I'm like, okay, well, here's how she could get her answer because she's saying to Henry, she's just like, just tell me the truth. Like, it's almost like she just wants to know. She realizes there's nothing they can do. No one will ever believe this. There's no point. She just wants to, she just has to know what the truth is. I'm like, okay, I can run. But then she goes, and then we'll go to the police. We'll go to the FBI. It's like, oh, come on, Anna. That's just, this is what, this is what got you where you are. Like, you, you, she can't be satisfied with just knowing the truth. She has to take the next step of then blowing it up and putting it out there. Right. I mean, she gets her discharge papers, the news that no charges are going to be filed, but no, apparently that's not enough. And I love the fact that Esther, she boils it down to the fact that Anna wants justice at any cost. And, you know, if I'm happy with the justice and I'm making air quotes related to my son, why can't you be? Yeah. Now, I guess we could argue that Anna's moved away from Amos Miller and on to Bill Boone, and there's certainly truth to that. But but it's like, what 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 justice are you looking for? Did If you know that Bill Boone's dead, did he not get what he deserved in some way? Was it unjust that he's no longer alive? You know, like, what... What is the justice you're after here? And right. you know, and you're shaking down a 16 year old kid. Is this 16 year old kid some kind of criminal mastermind? Yeah, and, and and we get that showdown between Henry and Anna, and it's one of those cases where Anna's. Uh, I'm sorry, it's one of those cases where Henry's surly attitude really uh, is beneficial. Anna, you know, responds to. Henry's kind of dodging her questions. I'm not going away this time. And I'm thinking like, yeah, you want to bet? Yeah. Because <laughs> you backed Henry into a corner. We'll do whatever we need to do and we'll do it together. And I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, it's not going to turn out the way you think. So what'd you think about Henry's approach? Right. Well, okay. See, this is probably the best part of this episode. and Probably one of the, the things that's happened in the, the series as a whole, what I like is Henry dealing with this really, I, I guess to call it a moral dilemma. Obviously, what she does to Anna is not great. But again, Anna almost, like you said, backed her in the corner, left her with very little choice. Like, obviously, she can't go to the police or anything about that. I'm pretty sure Nikolai basically said, don't do that. Right, just let me do it. I'll take care of it. Right. Yeah. So Nikolai's pretty much taking care of everything. Now Anna is like this X factor coming in, and you see Henry for a moment. It looks like 
she still thinks about it. You know, when, when Anna says that you and me, we can, we'll blow this up. We'll go to the police and everything. You know, you almost see her thinking about it for a second. Um, and then she makes her choice, right? That she transports Anna to this waterfall. And I, I Fred said Sri Lanka. I, I don't know if we really get any. There's any way for us to tell exactly where the waterfall is. Right. I, I assume the only reason Fred mentions Sri Lanka is because we know she's teleported there before. Right. Right. But, you know, so, okay, we get it. That was a hasty decision made in the heat of the moment. Okay. But then she clearly, time has passed. You know, she goes home and, and sleeps through the night and then the next day dumps her car in the pond. So clearly Henry is really not thinking about going back and getting it. Right. And I think Fred even brings up in his feedback about how did Henry choose this place? Because we've, we've seen this increasing ability to control her teleporting to where she teleports right into the seat of Anna's car and she teleports to this cave. I mean, how did she know about this cave yeah, above the waterfall? Right. Did she see it in a picture, read it in a book? I mean, we, we don't know. But, you know, as you said, it, it seems pretty obvious after 12, 14, 20 hours or whatever elapses that she's probably not going back for yep. Anna. And it, obviously it's too far to go down and... I don't know what's inside the cave, but probably not good. Yeah, and 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 so uh, here's a, a moment where we're really questioning. Like I, I don't, I literally don't really know how to feel about. It. Like I, I get why she's doing that, but I also to just leave her there to die. Like, like wow, that's that's hardcore. You know, like you could probably still go back, get her, drop her off. Who knows where, you know, anywhere in the middle of Paris or Chicago or whatever, you know, and, and just say, listen, go ahead, do what you have to do. Tell, tell people that I can, you know, the 16 year old kid who can, who can teleport from place to place, uh, see how, see how much they enjoy that story. And I'll see you later, you know? We, we, I mean, you know what's fascinating is that when we look at what Nikolai is doing with his sister and their father, it's not completely different than what Henry. I mean, he feels sort of backed into a corner with his sister as well, while Henry might not initially intend to leave Anna there. That's her first reaction. They both are sort of backed into corners and... You know, I in retrospect, would would Henry have made a different decision? I, I guess there's really no place else. I mean, she had to take her somewhere that she couldn't find a phone and alert the authorities uh, <laughs> as to what, although like what? Well, uh, this now that you mentioned girl. phone, though. <laughs> yes. What a great ending, though. Well, it, it is, but it isn't because like on the one hand, okay, why didn't? Why didn't Anna's phone make the trip with her? You know, well, did, well, did she I actually have her phone. She had it out and laid it on the whatever the fence inside the barn there. Like, well, we've talked about this over you know over the years, especially with teenagers. 
that they um, all of a sudden out of the blue decide, you know what, I'm going to set my phone down over here and then I'm going to go do this over there. It doesn't work that way. Generally, teenagers are tethered to their phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but but this scene where Jenna finds that Cleo apparently paid to have her dress repaired, and you know, I, I think it kind of softens her. Maybe not to Henry, but at least to Cleo. But decides she's going to leave Dad there, and of course, Dad's now been uh, turned down twice. Um, you know, he tries to have a dinner with his daughter, but, you know, she ditches him. And then she hears the phone ringing inside the barn. And, and uh, um, I, I guess when we think about everything that Jenna knows, she must be thinking that Anna has been taken care of. And I don't know if the camera zeroes in on the, uh, the tub where Nikolai uh, dumped Bill's body with the acid or not, but certainly that's got to be running through her mind at this point. Yeah, but I mean, obviously that is all taken care of and cleaned up. And you know, really the only piece of evidence she had was a little drop of blood that was in their kitchen. And then she's basing this whole crazy, you know, conspiracy theory on this. You know, I just, you know, I think I said it before. I just think with Anna, it, it just seems like they never the show never really had any kind of clear idea of what to do with her. Yeah. If they had left her as in, you know, the, the sheriff of Reston, then she would be in a position where, you know, she could actually be like a threat. Um, well, not necessarily a threat. I don't want to say, but you know, we could see her investigating and always, you know, getting close and, you know, almost catching her and things like that, you know, where we'd get that, but they, they took away her position of power. And so now she's just kind of like this crazy lady rummaging through people's garbage cans and stuff, you know? Yeah. And it really becomes where she, there's no reason for her, as, as we said before, like what, what do you, what justice are you trying to get? You know, what injustice was done that you were trying to rectify? And it just, it's bothersome what they did with her. And, and it's even more bothersome, I think, to me, just if I get my soap, soapbox a little bit here, that the one character who's like powerless and crazy and alienated from everyone is both a female and a person of color. You know, and it's just like, you know, they had a really good chance there to make her an empowered adversary. And instead, they just, I think they really dropped the ball overall with, with that character. Because, you know, I felt sorry. When she said, I want to know the truth for that little bit, I felt, like, really sorry for her. And then she said, because we can go to the police. And the FBI, it's like, oh, no, Anna, come on. If you just said to her, I just want to know the truth. Just tell me the truth. I don't care what it is. There's nothing I can say. I've I've been stripped of my, my authority. And everyone thinks I'm a crazy person. Just tell me what the truth is. I, I would like that more than tell me the truth so we can go to the police and the FBI. You know, it's yeah. just like, yeah. But I'm seeing a little head of Jack Nicholson just kind of hovering over one of her shoulders. But, <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to bring up before we get to Fred's feedback? Um, just one thing. It's because in when uh, Henry and Jen are having the argument – Jenna pulls the like 
you've always treated me like shit. And just like, well, okay, come on. Not always. Like, you know, I, I can just think recently at the dance, like she yes. was really cool and nice to you, you know? So I, I just hate when, and, and sometimes when my uh, wife and I uh, come to loggerheads over an issue, um, one or the other of us might say something like, you always do this or you never do this, whatever. And, you know, when you're basing your argument on that, you're, you're on really shaky ground because clearly always and never don't, don't apply to those types of things. So no, they don't. That's one of the things we learn early on. Um, we don't always remember it, but (laughs) I know I can never remember when we get in an argument. I can never, I always like afterwards, I'm like, Oh, I should have said that. (laughs) Um, One of mine is is I, I avoid this. You know what you need to do or you know what you should do? No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've eliminated no, that from my no. book, you know. Right. But see, it shows you you're about 10,000 times more clever than Thomas here. Good point. He's just a moron. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that might be it. Oh, oh, well, one thing. Fisher is kind of an a-hole now. Yes, he is. You know? And I assume he's bought and paid for by the mayor's wife. Or the, or the old sheriff's wife. Or is she the mayor? I can't remember, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, her husband was previously the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. and she's got something, some role of power, but yeah. Oh, and one more thing. Like, I, I still know how I feel about how Anna is keyed in about Henry because, you know, like, uh, Clay and his mother are in the, the police station and... And she says, "Well, we're, we're gonna we'll wait here forever, however long we have to wait." Then um, the the old sheriff's wife comes in because apparently, I guess Anna must have done it, but someone dropped the dime on her that there, there's people ransacking her house, investigating her. Um, so Clay overhears. I can't remember how it happened, but you know whatever Clay overhears, and then he goes out and talks to Anna and says, "Oh, well, yeah, oh, oh, I, I guess." Clay overhears them talking about how uh, Anna thought she saw someone jump. So Clay puts two and two together. He goes out, tells Anna, hey, you saw someone who jumped? No, you're not crazy. Check out this girl. She can do it too. And then boom. It's up like, okay. They, they did kind of tie that up a little bit, kind of a little bit nicely. But on the other hand, there's really all these two sex mocking the kind of things going on here. You know, it just feels like really fabricated, almost like sitcom-y in, in how that happens. So I, I didn't know whether I was impressed by how they came up with this or, or kind of re- repulsed by how artificial it seemed. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Impulse, Season 2, Episode 9. First off, coming back to last week's cough. It was a real cough, but I don't cough all day, so it's okay. And I had a corona test in the meanwhile as a healthcare worker, and it was negative. Which gave me a kind of ambivalent feeling, because I'm one side very happy I'm negative. It's also good for my family because otherwise they have to go into isolation. On the other hand, I had some mild respiratory problems and if I was positive, then I would have been a mild corona patient and not being afraid for the very severe version. 
The negative thing about being negative is that you possibly are still not immune and you're still vulnerable to the virus. Okay, that's enough corona news from the Netherlands. And I have finally more time to do this because Star Trek Picard is over. I don't have to make audio feedback for that series and not uh, isolating a lot of screenshots for Talk True Media's blog post. Let's go into Impulse Episode 9. We see the discussion between Jenna and Henry further escalate. Jenna is really, really angry with Henry, but Towns is not. He is still helping her, and although Henry rejects a little bit that he helps further, he is not offended by that and just is worried about her. Also, the thing between Thomas and Cleo, well, stopped. It's a pity, but on the other hand, it was almost unavoidable, I think. The several scenes between Elaine and Nikolai were a bit too long for my taste. Point was clear, and you could say that this Eileen is a bitch, but I don't think so. She has been hurt all her life by her father, and probably indeed Nikolai didn't protect her enough. Though what she says here, I think, is quite understandable. And although Nikolai tried to make it right now, it was far too late. On the other hand, her father probably didn't leave him much space to help her. And of course, I'm still annoyed why he needs this factor. But what gets a little more clear is that it's not that he would die without it. It's only that he cannot teleport anymore without big risks. So not using the factor and still teleporting, that could result in his death. But as long as he doesn't teleport, he would be okay. Knowing that there is no third season, which I think is a pity, I'm very worried how this all will be resolved in just one episode. But Dave, you already said it could be a closure, that last episode. So I'm trusting you that it won't be too much of a disappointment. One perhaps nitpick is, can you transport anywhere as teleporter although you don't know where you go well in that way Henry landed up in Sri Lanka so it it must be possible but I just wondered about that because she leaves Anna Holche there at this waterfall did she know that place did she went there before did she choose that on purpose did Henry know that Anna couldn't get out of that cave there or did she choose that on purpose so that she would be certain that she would stay there. And is she really going to save Anna? Because why otherwise would she hide her car? No sense in hiding her car in that pond and then getting Anna out of that cave. And I have to say that Anna has quite some endurance. And of course, big question is what is Jenna going to do with Anna's telephone? Of course, I'm very curious what you're going to do after this, if it will be something from the previous poll I did, or something completely unexpected, like Impulse. Greet, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. 
All right. Now, one of the things he mentions, uh, the Nikolai Elaine scenes, and he mentions maybe they went on a little too long. And, and did she really even need protection? And, you know, like we talked about, did it come too late? But I, I think in terms of them going on too long, you know, in retrospect, knowing we're not getting a third season, I guess it's easy to say that we'd rather have seen the screen time devoted to Henry and Towns and and the ongoing story and maybe Anna in her uh, waterfall cave. But I, I was okay with that. I, I like the Nikolai Elaine dynamic because I think it's important when we look at Henry's situation moving forward and, and maybe what's going to be expected out of that. And, you know, will Nikolai, you know, give her the benefit of his wisdom and the mistakes that he made. So I don't know. Yeah. So I was okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I don't know if I really thought about it too much at the time, but when Fred mentioned, that, I'm like, you know what? I, maybe I think I just remember kind of starting to get annoyed with Elaine by the end of the scene. Cause it just seemed like she was whining too much. So, you know, that's what I said about her not, I guess we both kind of talked about her not realizing why Nikolai did what he did and, and what he's actually been doing for her instead of just being, oh, you know, why, 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 you know, you killed my dad. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she fully comprehends what Nikolai has gone through in his life. And maybe we could say the same for him about her, but... Um, I guess we'll see. Now, the only other thing I want to mention from Fred's feedback is his uh, mentioned that he trusts me when I say that the final episode that we'll talk about next week can function and provide some closure for the series. And I, you know, I don't want to say it's perfect by any stretch because clearly that's not what it was intended to be. They clearly thought they were going to get a third season. However, I, I think it does provide a lot of room for speculation and for us to talk about what if and speculating about what certain characters would be doing had there been a third series. So I guess we'll right. see. So basically we're not getting closure at all. Well, Yes, yes and <laughs> no. You're saying. Uh, just, I'm not expecting to because, I mean, obviously, from from what we're talking about, there's so many plot strings happening right now. It seems unlikely that, A, they would have tied them up in one episode anyway, and B, because, again, like you said, it, it really seems like they were pretty confident they would get a third season and, and weren't looking to to close anything up so you know and, and that's it, it is what it is you know like if as long as it's not as bad as the last episode of season two of sarah kind chronicles which is probably the worst cliffhanger that we never got to see resolved at all i mean we're gonna have to be okay with what we have right yeah now you're making me nervous but uh <laughs> all right anything else you want to mention about fred's feedback um, just that I, I think I'm going to do my, uh, free 30 day trial of CBS, whatever to, so I can watch Picard. Oh, so, uh, okay. You know, Fred, maybe once I'm done, we can uh, talk about that a little bit. And everything. All, right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there and that will do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Want to 
Thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse, Dark on the Horizon, the news that we're going to be covering Ragnarok. Anything else going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Uh, if you want to send us an email, the address is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get on the website, or just record your own clip and send it as an attachment. We'll be back next week to talk about the series finale of Impulse, episode 10, titled Making Amends. But until then... So Dave, just remember, when you go out to the uh, grocery stores and everything, you know, make sure, obviously, you wear your mask, and also you need to keep your guard up, and maybe bring your taser. <laughs>